This is the Less Doing Podcast with your host, Ari Mysel. Learn how to optimize, automate, and outsource and be more effective at everything. Hey everybody and welcome back. So the announcements today are about Creative Live. At the end of the month, uh, I'm going to be doing a Creative Live seminar for two days, November 25th and 26th. It'll be free to watch live from anywhere in the world. I'm going to be covering everything that I have ever covered and a lot of the stuff that I have not covered in less doing. All of my courses, The Art of Less Doing, Gmail, IFTTT, Zapier Virtual Assistants, and Biohacking. It's going to be two intense days, and I'm going to make you more effective at everything. So in the show notes, there is links to enroll to watch the course live, and I would love it if you could do that and spread the word. But in addition, we have room for five to ten people in the in-studio audience in San Francisco on those days. And there's also a link in the show notes to apply to be in the audience. So I would love to see some faces there, people who've been uh, listening, and whether you live in the San Francisco area or you feel like flying in for this pretty cool event, that would be great. So today's guest is Dr. Dominic D'Agostino, and he is a ketogenic expert. We cover the diet itself, the effects it has on metabolic syndromes, and even ketosis in a pill. Hope you enjoy the interview. Welcome to the Less Doing Podcast. Today, my guest is Dr. Dominic D'Agostino, an assistant professor at the University of South Florida. Uh, his research involves ketogenic diets, uh, metabolic syndromes, and some really cool stuff that we're going to cover today. Dom, thanks for being on the show. Thanks for having me, Ari. Appreciate it. Absolutely. So let's jump right in. Let's talk about what your sort of focus of research is. I know that it's sort of changed a little from what it originally is supposed to be, right? So what, yeah. what's your focus? Uh, it's at the simplest you know, level is you know, we develop and test uh, ketogenic diets and metabolic therapies, which include uh, supplementation, uh, under that would be ketone supplementation for a variety of disorders, including seizures, uh, Alzheimer's disease, cancer, ALS, wound healing, uh, just to name a few. But yeah, th- those are the major ones right now. So basically with an emphasis on diet and, and nutritional supplementation for these disorders and less on drugs. We do a little bit of drug research, but it's 90% diet. Okay, so now... How did you come across, uh, uh, from what you told me before, you you originally were trying to find a better drug, right? So how did you get on the path of looking at nutrition and specifically a ketogenic diet? Yeah, uh, well, I was funded by the Department of Defense, and under them is the Office of Navy Research. And divers use a... uh, a closed circuit rebreathing apparatus, the Navy SEALs and special ops guys use that. 
And the advantage is that it's very quiet. The disadvantage is that uh, it can create seizures underwater. And these seizures are uh, are resistant to drugs. They're very powerful, what we call grand mal seizures or tonic clonic seizures. Yeah. And the uh, you know giving a, a a special ops guy or Navy SEAL anti seizure drugs is really not a good idea because it can dull your senses and impair your performance. So I looked into alternative strategies to prevent this, to test in the lab, and I found the ketogenic diet was actually like more effective than drugs for preventing seizures. It really blew my mind, the research behind this. So you know, I focused on the ketogenic diet, not only that, but developing, uh, I guess what you can say, a ketogenic diet in a pill, which uh, the, the, the version that we're testing is a ketone ester. So you take it orally, within you know 15 minutes you have a level of ketones above and beyond you know what you could achieve with a ketogenic diet and the function of the ketones is that they provide an alternative fuel for the brain and if the brain has lots of energy uh, it can actually withstand the oxygen toxicity uh, that that triggers a seizure and the ketones themselves also have neuroprotective properties uh, so it, it led to that, you know, developing sort of a, a high-power nutritional supplement based on the ketogenic diet. And then we found that ketones had all these other applications, like, you know, because they function as a, as a, a very high, dense source of alternative energy for the brain, that they had applications in Alzheimer's disease and in ALS, in, um, you know, we're looking at cancer now, cancer cells have a defect that prevents them from using you know ketones for energy they basically have dysfunctional mitochondria and the mitochondria is where the ketones are actually you know oxidized to make atp uh and wound healing too so they uh ketones increase you know brain blood flow they also increase blood flow to the periphery uh and we can observe this so they have a number of applications that just kind of exploded out of our seizure project so Wow. Okay. So, but I'm, without backing up too much, tell yeah. tell me what ketone esters are. Okay. So your main uh, ketone bodies that your liver produces under periods of carbohydrate restriction would be acetoacetate and beta hydroxybutyrate. And the uh, the function of these ketone bodies, think of them as like like fats that are water soluble. That, you know, like you know, you stop eating or you restrict your carbohydrates, and you deplete your carbohydrate stores, and your brain is craving some source of energy, and it can't really use the fats very effectively because uh, they can't cross this blood-brain barrier we call it. So the the fats are converted to ketone molecules, which can get to the brain, and they provide energy to the brain. So what we've done is is taken basically the two ketone molecules, beta-hydroxybutyrate or acetoacetate, and we've made supplements out of them, either mineral salts of beta-hydroxybutyrate or esters of uh, acetoacetate. Essentially what an ester is is that you take the ketone molecule and combine it to something that stabilizes it so that when you ingest it orally, your body can break it down in a controlled fashion and it releases the ketone in a rapid and sustained uh, fashion so you have elevated levels in the blood. And, and that ketone body is actually providing like a super fuel to your tissues and most importantly, your brain and heart. Okay. So that's, I mean, it, it, the fact that you've been able to isolate that. Now, how is what you've created, the, you know, the ketones in a pill, how is that different from taking MCT oil, for instance? 
Okay. MCT oil, when you ingest it, it goes to your liver and is processed and broken down into uh, – uh, it can become ketone bodies through, through you know, liver metabolism. And the elevation of uh, ketones that you get with MCT oil is relatively modest, maybe, you know, half of a millimolar or one, one millimolar if you measure – if you're into measuring your blood like – you know, I know a few guys out there are. Uh, so, you know, the another problem with MCT is that you have this issue with, you know, tolerability. Some people can tolerate like several tablespoonfuls, like me, actually. And so I can get my ketones pretty high, actually, with MCT. Other people can't even tolerate like a teaspoon, like they're running to the bathroom with a teaspoon. Uh, so that's a limitation. So it's basically an MCT, a, a fatty acid is something that really needs to be processed by the liver for your body to make ketones. Uh, the advantage is, you know, it's a natural source. It's cheap. It's readily available. And ketone salts or ketone esters are kind of like straight up ketones. Like you take it and bam, you get, you know, rapid elevation of ketones. And I don't, you know, it might not be one or the other that's optimal for whatever application you're using it for, cognitive or physical performance. But we actually find that a com- when you combine these things, a ketone salt or ester with, you know, an MCT oil, that they they work kind of independently but synergistically in a fashion that can help elevate and sustain ketones. So it's not maybe one or the other, but a combination of the two will likely be the, your best bet, you know, depending on your application. Okay, so that's interesting. So now, uh, my first question with that then is: Can you overdose on ketones? Mm. Other than the, Sorry, the yeah. disaster pants thing. Yeah. Uh, well, we're doing studies now in our rodent models where we go very high in ketosis, and there is a level where it starts. You basically start to feel drunk. You feel sedated uh, mm-hmm. because. Your body's dealing with, you know, it's got, you know, too much of anything will be toxic, right? Uh, the ketone bodies will start to, uh, you're probably familiar with diabetic ketoacidosis or alcoholic ketoacidosis. Right, the fruity smell, uh, right? Yeah. These are a little different because with diabetic ketoacidosis, your blood glucose is really high, like astronomically high, and your ketones are high. So the combination of those two produces a acidic condition in the body. It can cause coma and death even. Uh toxicity with a supplemental ketone would be very very difficult you'd have to consume a ton of the stuff and your body has a great capacity to eliminate what it doesn't need and it would be expensive it would be the limitation to toxicity would be your gastrointestinal ability to absorb it (laughs) and get it into the system but i think you know, people talk about, well, you know, if I can get my ketones up to one or two millimolar, you know, it's just on the uh, the line before you with some researchers who think one to two millimolar is the sweet spot for performance enhancement. Like, you know, that's really not achievable with MCT. You get almost to one, but with a ketone salt and a ketone ester, that's very achievable. But you can also achieve five or six. So uh, I believe that, you know, five or six millimolar would be good if you have, for example, severe seizures, but for performance enhancement, I think it's putting ketone bodies are mildly acidic. So at that level, it may be creating an acidic load that your body has to deal with. Although the salts of our ketone products are buffered with, you know, uh, minerals that are very alkaline. So they're kind of pH balance. 
you could say. But I, I don't think there's any advantage to going over three millimolar of ketones. And many of the leading researchers would probably support that, like Jeff Volick, a colleague of mine, and he would probably say, yeah, once you get above three, it's kind of your body's just kind of working to get rid of it rather than unless you're really like all out sprinting or something like that or maybe an Ironman athlete, maybe two or three. But your body's using it so much, so it'd probably be hard to get up to that level if you're in the middle of, of uh of training or in the middle of a cycling or, or whatever, you know, event you're doing. Okay. So it, now I, and I've done Ironman and I, I've looked at all sorts of different training methods and, um, you know, metabolic efficiency was one that came up a lot. Now I personally was self-directing and I was basically in a diet that was almost 85% carbs at the time. And, uh, which was fine for me, honestly, except for the fact that I was eating every hour, basically. Um, That's you know, nine disadvantage hours. right there. Exactly. Yeah. And, and, <laughs> had, and had to eat on the bike and all that stuff. And um, it was fine. And also the, the sort of remnants from that, because it's completely different from what my diet is now, uh, is that I got ridiculous sugar addiction once I stopped eating that level of carbs. Like, uh, And I don't have an addictive personality. I know that from my from years of stuff and I have legitimately had a battle with a sugar addiction since then. Um, so there's two, there's two, I guess there's two motivations kind of for looking at a ketogenic diet. One would be if you have an actual disease, you know, something like cancer or, uh, or some other metabolic syndrome where you really need to starve your body of glucose. But then there's this other side, which is performance enhancing, cognitive enhancing, and uh, energy boosting. My, personally, right now, my my motivation for having ketones in my body and i'm not saying ketogenic because i'm certainly not i st- i'm not low carb i'm not 85 percent carb but my current diet is pretty much high fat my motivation is that my wife and i have a 22 month old and twin six month olds and neither of us sleep very much and i find that having high fat in my diet is pretty much the only way that i can not just get through the day but actually really function at a high level so mm-hmm. but I'm not getting the benefits of the disease fighting aspect in that case, right? Because I'm sort of cheating. Well, I, you're pushing your body from a from being a sugar burner to a fatty acid and perhaps ketone burner. I don't know what your ketone levels are, but whenever you shift away from a, a glycolytic or glucose-based metabolism to a fatty acid metabolism, especially with your level of exercise performance, you're forcing your mitochondria to be more efficient, you're probably stimulating mitochondrial biogenesis. The healthier your mitochondria are, the the greater capacity you have to deal with stress. The more efficient you can convert food into energy. Uh, you know, in a high fat diet, your meal frequency goes way down. You're satiated. You know, I used to eat like six to eight meals a day. Actually, I eat I eat two now. I eat a breakfast and a dinner, and they're spaced twelve hours apart. Yeah. And I don't get hungry during the day. I have some bulletproof coffee during the day, so maybe some branch chain aminos. Uh, but it's extremely more practical. I cannot even fathom going back to my early pattern of eating, where I look at my watch and I see, okay, two and a half hours went by. I got to eat. Uh, with my lifestyle, I just can't do that. You know, with teaching and research and everything else I do, uh, it would be very inconvenient to do that. And I understand where you're coming from with a, being a family guy and juggling a lot of things in your training. Uh, I can see how that can be a very uh, an enormous practical advantage. But you probably are realizing the performance enhancement effects too of, of the high fat intake. But uh, not, but not necessarily the disease. Uh, prevention aspects, right? Like the cancer, uh, the cancer or, I mean, I don't have a seizure issue, but well, like those kinds of things. 
Yeah, and I think, you know, it's not, for cancer prevention, I think generally just a low-carb diet is best. You may want to periodically do a fast, like a short-term fast, three to five days. And what that does is, say you have precancerous cells in your body, you know, if you go into fasting ketosis, it's putting an enormous amount of metabolic stress on those cancer cells that are in your body and essentially purging them from your system You're through autophagy. You know, your body uh, can kind of deal with them. And I think that was probably part of our normal evolution. We did that. But I tell people, you know, who don't want to do a ketogenic diet, just prevention, just, you know, just eat low carb and just, you know, periodically go into nutritional ketosis a couple times a year. Uh, and, you know, for people who really don't want to do a ketogenic diet, uh, I think prevention is a cure for cancer. And periodically going into ketosis is could be a very effective strategy to prevent it. And just eating, avoiding any kind of processed carbohydrates and sure. uh, keeping your blood sugar in check, you know, exercise, just kind of the basic things. But, a, you know, a, a restricted, you know, calorie-restricted ketogenic diet for the rest of your life is not very feasible. I actually think the body's best when you cycle it. You know, you do periods of maybe overfeeding if you have a, a goal to increase muscle size or strength, and then periods of undereating. It's probably the best way the body works. And I think that's a very good way to frame it. Now, yeah. what uh, you mentioned nutritional ketosis. Now, for, for people who don't really know what that is, because that's not exactly the same as saying a ketogenic diet, right? We're talking about sort of an in between, aren't we? Uh, nutritional ketosis is anything that that you that any nutritional uh, method you use to elevate blood ketones. Right. It, that's that's my thing. But it typically historically it's been carbohydrate restriction. If you restrict carbohydrates, your your glucose goes down, your liver glycogen gets depleted, and your your liver starts pumping out these ketone bodies to replace glucose. Right. So so that's the distinction that I want to make for everybody. Is yeah. That um, so with. A ketogenic diet, it's more of the idea of eliminating, or eliminating, but restricting severely carbohydrates and protein due to gluconeogenesis for the purpose of cutting out glucose. Um, Gluconeogenesis being the process of your liver turning lean proteins into sugars. Uh, Nutritional ketosis is sort of the other side where you're just looking at raising the available ketones in your body. So... It's very, very important to me that people sort of realize this distinction that you sort of can have your cake and eat it too, as long as it's a low-carb cake. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I think you know, it really depends on what your goal is. You know, If your goal is to manage seizures, you probably need to be on a strict ketogenic diet to optimize that. You know, cancer prevention, periodic you know, uh, carbohydrate restriction to induce ketosis could be optimal. If you are, you know, an an athlete, so this begs the question about, and I get this a lot in, in advanced athletes, you know, sprinters, I don't think should be on a ketogenic diet, maybe a targeted ketogenic diet where you're throwing carbs during the actual event just to, to maintain muscle glycogen. And But for like, you know, triathletes, uh, I think adding a little bit of carbs in there like Ben Greenfield does, maybe 100 grams a day or 150, and just to keep, you know, maybe your, your muscle glycogen topped off may be optimal. You might be able to have your cake and eat it because I think he even registers ketones with relatively high carb intake. Uh, if you're real active, you can get away with it. You can, you know, save your carbs for your, your dinner. And, you know, I did that for a while when I'm real active. I basically just go ketogenic all day, work out, go home and eat dinner and just, you know, have a salad, vegetables, half a sweet potato, something like that. Okay. And, and, and that's also another good point. So I, 
uh, my understanding is that triglycerides are sort of a good indicator of your carb tolerance, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I think they're a great biomarker. Okay. That. So which yep. is really cool. And and anything under a hundred, as I understand, is considered to be pretty good. Um, if you're going yeah. above a hundred, then you're probably having too much carbs. So yeah. Uh, you know Jimmy Moore, cholesterol clarity guy? Yeah, yeah. Okay. I met so, him. Yeah. So Jimmy's a great guy. Jimmy's yep. awesome. And I had a really yeah. cool interview with him. And when we were, you know, of course, we had to start comparing numbers. So what I thought was really funny, um, I think when I, yeah, no, this is what it was. When we had the interview, which was maybe a month or so ago, my, uh, I had just had a blood test because I knew I was going to talk to him. And my triglyceride level was 57 which is great. And I don't think I'm low carb, but 57 is really good. I looked back at my blood results when I was 85% carb, when I was training for Ironman and my trig, my triglycerides were 74. So mm -hmm. apparently I can handle quite a bit of carbs and still have ketones floating around. Yeah, that's probably because you were, it, it also, it also depends on your calorie balance, right? If you're at, in a high carbohydrate diet, but you're at a, even a mild calorie deficit, like 10%, 20% for that week or something like that, you know, your triglycerides are going to be low because you're pulling them from your, your system and oxidizing them as fuel. Uh, but keep in mind, I think one simple rule is that, that carbohydrates spare fats. So if you're giving your body glucose as an energy source, then it's going to say, you know, I don't want to use the fats because, you know, you're giving me glucose. So they're going to be spared in the blood and they're going to register in, in, on your blood triglyceride reading. Uh, my, my triglycerides, I think, were really low, like 30 or 40s. When I, when, I did a, when I fasted and then you know, did a strict ketogenic diet, and I think now they run around 50. Okay. For, 40 or 50, they're still pretty low, really low. Yeah, that's really cool. Um, yeah. So now another thing I want to talk about, which is maybe is slightly outside of your realm of research, but I'm sure you're going to have a little opinion on it. The other motivation for me personally for being high fat is that I have found that a high fat diet, you know, avocados, grass fed butter, those kinds of things have been very anti-inflammatory for me as someone with Crohn's disease. But obviously inflammation, chronic inflammation is at the heart of so many illnesses. So is that just, am I making that up or? No, glad you bring that up. You know, it's not something I talk about much, but I think it's extremely important. And I think your case reflects it. Uh, the application of a ketogenic diet, of a low-carbohydrate, high-fat, you know, diet with quality foods like you mentioned, you know, uh, is, you know, will have a powerful anti-inflammatory effect on the body, which will be reflected in a low C-reactive protein levels. Like mine's actually, like, it doesn't even register. It's so low. Uh, whereas previous blood reports showed it was pretty elevated when I was on more high-carb um, I think the benefits of that cannot be overstated, and I think that you're a walking example of that. And I just see so many people who, uh, you know, they have their muscles don't ache, their GI problems are resolved, uh, their brain fog is gone, you know. And I think it it's a combination of, you know, controlling your blood glucose. And a ketogenic diet, high-fat diet, tends to control your appetite, too. So you're less likely to just overeat, and then you're less likely to binge and, and less likely to have these blood glucose 
excursions, if you will, that go up into the dangerous zone, which can kick on a whole host of inflammatory processes. You eliminate that, that process in your body. Your blood glucose is stable. Your body's antioxidant mechanisms are more robust and upregulated from the fuel that you're giving it. And your mitochondria are more healthy because you're forcing your mitochondria to burn fat for energy. If you're giving glucose, the mitochondria gets sluggish. <laughs> and our metabolic health really is reflected upon you know, our mitochondrial health, and which is you know, much better if we're on a fat-based, low-carb diet. So it's really exciting for me to hear that because for all the time that I've been doing the less doing stuff and, and wellness has been part of that, I never, I never intended to, and I haven't, created a diet. But I'm always recommending that people increase good fats for a couple of reasons, one of which is that I, I feel like most people in the standard American diet simply don't get enough good fats. They're not eating the olive oil and the avocados and the, the and certainly not the grass-fed butter. Uh, yeah. So simply increasing that, to me, is already a benefit. And it's really great to see that there's research to back that up. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah. what what's sort of next in your research? What are you excited about? Uh, a lot of things, actually everything. But uh, <laughs> I just, yeah, I have some really great. I mean, I, my graduate students are the my PhD students are the ones driving the research. So uh, it, it's kind of a neat transition when you go from being you know a PhD student to a postdoc to doing all your research, and then you know getting more settled in a lab and getting students to do your research. So you know I have research going on now, and I can just pop into the lab and see blood ketones being measured. You know, uh, you know, looking you know, again at tumor growth, you know, in, in one one room and you know, I have all these projects going on. I think I'm most excited about the cancer work because it was so unexpected. <clears throat> you know, uh I, I got into, you know, ketogenic diets and I looked and I found I stumbled upon Thomas Seaford's work with the calorie restricted ketogenic diet. And uh and we also had an observation that high levels of oxygen like make cancer cells explode. And we didn't see this with normal cells. So we were like, oh, we have to test this idea of combining the ketogenic diet with hyperbaric oxygen. And when we did, the results were like so dramatic. We recently got that published. Uh, but now that we've developed ketone supplementation, ketone supplements tend to lower blood glucose. We don't know exactly how it's working, but we did a study. It's under review now showing that simple ketone supplementation, even to a standard diet, with carbohydrates in it has a profound anti-cancer effect uh, and increases survival tremendously in a model of advanced metastatic cancer. So the cancer stuff is really exciting to me. And another thing is just developing and testing uh, different ketone supplements that can be used for you know pathological conditions but also applied to uh, athletes to enhance performance and working with University of Tampa right now and developing a protocol where we're looking at advanced athletes like you know uh, advanced bodybuilders and looking at the effects of a ketogenic diet and you know ketone supplementation in the form of MCT and looking at strength and looking at metabolic biomarkers and looking at body composition and so this will be a really interesting study because uh, nothing like it has been done before. So I have a combination of things I'm really excited about, both you know rodent models and inhuman models. Uh, I think just a lot of a lot of potential for what we call metabolic therapy, and not too many people are doing stuff like this. It's kind of surprising. There's just well, I guess there's not a lot of research for nutrition, 
And that's why I call it metabolic therapy because if I write a grant and say I'm going to study the ketogenic diet or low-carb diet, the funding agencies just kind of roll their eyes and it's like, oh, another diet study. This isn't, going to, this isn't novel. This isn't exciting. But if I, if I repackage it into metabolic therapy and like you know, innovative ways to elevate you know, ketone metabolic substrate. So I have to use you know, scientific jargon and terminology to win over the hearts of of funding agencies and it becomes kind of tricky. Luckily, we've had some really generous uh, donations come in to the lab to, to really help our research along. I've been really fortunate to, to have a few generous people donate to our lab. So That's great. I, I, it's it's got to be exciting, too, to be able to do research that you yourself can live, actually. Um, yeah, you know, as far that's as fun. Because, <laughs> you know, if you're testing a new drug or something, you really can't just pop that in your vein and see what happens yeah and you know if you say we do test a number of different drugs and and they work and then you have to file like an investigational new drug report and it it's literally like millions of dollars to get that thing you know into the public hands in like 10 years and uh you know in our hands i have the ability to test different things in our rodent model and and we basically were finding that just forcing your body to shift from a physiological state from one physiological state to another with nutrition has a powerful you know neuroprotective effect anti seizure effect it basically is kicking on a genetic program in your body to confer protection uh, against you know a number of different things and just by enhancing your metabolism and preserving your mitochondrial function it makes the nuclear genome do its thing better, so DNA repair mechanisms are more robust. Uh, so even you know by enhancing metabolism, it's actually preserving the fidelity of your nuclear genome and preserving you know the function of your cells. And I think that's a real important thing to understand. There's a lot of these targeted approaches, especially for cancer. Uh, but if you keep you know the nucleus of the cell healthy by keeping the bioenergetic state of the cells very robust and healthy you're going to prevent cancer you're going to prevent the early onset of many chronic diseases and it can be used as an effective treatment too wonderful so we're out of time now i just want to ask you the last question that i always ask everybody in the podcast which is what are your top three personal productivity tips for you know what makes you more effective every day Productivity tips. Uh, sleep. I think it's a big one. Sleep. Actually, I just noticed. You know, I went through a couple of days without getting sleep, and it tapped into <laughs> my productivity. Uh, diet. Uh, you know, a, a low carb, a high fat, low carb diet, and decreases my meal frequency. And when I do, I have you know stable blood glucose. I'm just have more energy to do what I need to do and less food preparation and all that stuff. So sleep, diet, and just downtime, quality downtime. Like, you know, I do walks with my girlfriend, you know, play with my puppy during the day. And I think I really need that downtime to kind of reboot and get my mind back into work mode where I can attack work. Like, uh, you know, when I wake up in the morning, it's like I just want to attack work like an animal, you know, but, but only if I'm well nourished and have proper sleep and have you know, good downtime. And sometimes we lose track of that things, those things when life gets busy and we need to put things in perspective. That's absolutely true. Well, Dom, thank you for those. I think those are three great tips. Thank you for all that really amazing information. Where uh, can people find out more about you and follow what you're doing and what you're eating? (laughs) (laughs) What I'm eating. Uh, 
You know, I keep a, a website called ketonutrition.org. Okay. And it's mostly because I get hammered with like a lot of emails from patients just wanting more information. So I've compiled a lot of information on that ketonutrition, all one word, .org website. And, uh, and I, I've done a number of podcasts. So if you look at like podcasts, I just did a TED Talk like last week. So that'll be up pretty soon, probably in about a month or so because I got to edit it. And uh, yeah, I think I would go there and, and just look at our research too. Uh, I, I probably have to edit that you know that website and put more things up. But I really need to develop a website. <laughs> to I've been so busy with research, so I need to I need to actually do the research and get more studies done, so I have you know something to show on the website. But uh, <laughs> well, we'll link to that. We're in the, in the process notes. of that. Okay, cool. Well, okay. Then again, Dom, thank you so much, and um, I hope we get a chance to talk to you again in the future. Thanks. My pleasure being here. Have a good one. Appreciate it. Okay. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Less Doing Podcast with Ari Mizell. For more ways to make everything in your life easier, head over to lessdoing.com and also on Twitter at twitter.com slash Ari Mizell or Facebook at facebook.com slash lessdoing. If you enjoyed the show, please take a minute to head over to iTunes and leave a positive review. It's greatly appreciated. You can learn the art of less doing, getting started with biohacking, and how to make Gmail, IFTTT, and virtual assistants your ultimate productivity toolbox at udemy.com slash less doing. Until next time, keep optimizing, automating, and outsourcing everything you do.